make you feel welcome, I do not know what would. Everyone! Wow, Brian, you really perfected that. For you too! I mean, just trying to make people feel welcome. I'm sure others do it better. I'm not sure that they do. We could have a competition. We could have a fundraiser. <laughs> money for Forward Radio. Who can do the best uh, critical thinking for everyone? Opening yell. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, whoever does the best one gets to donate the most money to Forward Radio. Is that how we do that? <laughs> I love that idea. It's a great idea. Uh, love it. To us, um, you need a certified check for $500 to enter. Non-refundable, but you could end up winning. 500 extra dollars and all the rest of the proceeds go to forward radio isn't this a good fundraiser and bragging rights and patty will be the judge i'll be the judge of that well listen everybody we're so glad that you joined us for another episode of critical thinking for everyone we are and um i'm patty payette and i am brian barnes and together we have been putting together this show of critical thinking goodies and delights and jokes and good thinking and conundrums and all that good stuff for many years now. We have for many years now and it makes us sound like, um, you know, we're from the old country of critical thinking, which may in some ways be true, uh, at least the old school, if you will. But, um, you know, we, we really do stand by the idea that this stuff's for everyone. It's not just for nerds who are into it all the time. Yeah, and so we make this show feel, our goal is to make this show feel relevant and accessible and interesting and like, oh yeah, I get that. So um, that's what we're doing today, as we, we do every week. We hope. We try. We hope. Yeah. That's yeah. what we strive for. Yeah, and if you are pretty sure that we are not hitting the mark, you should reach out to us on Facebook at Critical Thinking for Everyone. It is highly likely that we are not. So, or, but we could be. We're gonna let's check our assumptions. If you think we are, tell us that too. Well, that's the thing is that it's hard for us to check our assumptions about this because it seems like, you know, if we put together the show, I guess we nailed it, huh? So um, it's sort of fait accompli if you're into that sort of thing, um, and we need outside feedback we're in our own echo chamber here we need people hello 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 See, she doesn't even listen to me i mean we are absolutely spinning around in a land where we can't get objective feedback we need you we need you to yeah. reach out to us critical thinking for everyone on facebook yeah and we also would like to invite maybe a problem that you want us to think through on the air for you let's be or clear we do not want your problems Yes, we do. We do not invite your problems. We don't? I don't want anyone else's problems. I have my own problems. However, if you would like for us, as Patty said, to think through a problem with you or for you, we're welcome to do that, but we, oh, yes. we will not take on the problem. No, you have enough to deal with. I'm telling you, there's a lot in the basket. Yeah, a lot in the basket right now. Is it is it particularly a lot right now, or is that just par for the course? I mean, it's it's par for the course that there's a lot right now. Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's it. So I, I like it when we do a show and you can bring, or I can bring some of the own stuff from our life and, and talk it through on the show. Yeah. And people ask, you know, why do you get on the show and you talk about your life as opposed to just getting on the show and talking about critical thinking per se. Um, and, you know, we do some of that, but the reality is I just like to reiterate um, that, that, 
we're trying to provide examples for thinking. Um, the idea, the assumption that we're coming into the show is that everybody is a thinker and that all of us have some characteristics in common when it comes to thinking. And so if Patty and I are talking about the features of our thinking, maybe that will also give someone who's listening insight into the thinking that they're doing, or maybe some thinking they're trying to figure out that some other person might be doing or something like that. I mean, because there, we, we believe there are thinking moves in common. And so we're just trying to provide ourselves as examples. And also um, if you need to criticize somebody for doing bad thinking, you, you know, we're there for that too. We're basically your all purpose thinking sounding board and use us as your think tank, your own personal think tank. Use us as your think tank. You, we can be uh, your thinking punching bag. Yeah. Well, you know, Brian and I use each other for that. And you could use that old thinking that Patty and I have done a lot of it, 142 episodes or so are on SoundCloud. If you want to go to forward radio on SoundCloud and then uh, search for a critical thinking for everyone playlist there, you will find a lot of the weekly engagements that Patty and I have been doing for the last three years on this topic. Yeah. So there's more goodness to be had on SoundCloud. You know, I've got some favorite shows. You probably got some favorite shows. We love to, to see what people gravitate toward. Yeah. Yeah. And not just favorite shows of our own, but also Forward Radio has a lot of really cool shows. And if you go to the Forward Radio list on SoundCloud or on iTunes, or yes. you'll not only get our show, but you'll also get these other shows. And there's a schedule of programming if you're in the Louisville area. And you want to listen to us just rocking it out in the normal weekly programming, um, 106.5 FM, WFMP, LP, Forward Radio, Louisville, Kentucky. We, there's a schedule for that radio station that we are on, on um, Thursdays at 5 p.m., Thursday night at midnight. Critical thinking witching hour. It is. And then uh, 11 a.m., on Friday. on Friday morning, uh, you know, the, the weekly, the show for the week plays. Otherwise, yeah. find us on SoundCloud. Yeah. So this particular episode is going to have jokes, as Brian likes to bring the jokes. And we jokes. like dissection, uh, critical thinking. And we've got a news item. Hold that, on. Yeah. Hold on. I personally... I'm not that kind of a doctor, I just like to say, but I don't think that dissection plays well on the radio. I don't think <laughs> dun, dun. You did not tell me that there would be dissection in today's show. <laughs> so we've also got a news item from the Seattle Times about uh, what happens when your loved one becomes a QAnon supporter and you're a critical thinker and some news items about deprogrammers, you know, getting people deprogrammed. Yeah. So there's some critical thinking stuff in there. And then I thought it would be great to, it's time to revisit our uh, Brian's a year of seeing how weary he is on the happiness scale Woo! and looking at that. And we're, so we'll check in about that. And also there's a really great article in research about why you should be grumpy and bad tempered and how it actually helps you as a thinker. Is it helping you become a circus performer? No, because when I found out where I could do that in Louisville, I decided I wanted to wait till the pandemic was over. Oh, so you can do it in Louisville. Yeah, but 
But I'm afraid if I mention how you can do it, it'll come off as an ad. Oh, yeah, because we're not endorsing anything. No, but there is a place in Louisville where you can learn aerial work. We are endorsing good thinking. Yeah, we are endorsing good thinking. If somebody's into circus performing, there is a place in you Louisville. Get to start, do you get to start doing aerial work like as an adult? You don't have to start when yeah. you're like no, you no, no, you can start as an adult. It's pretty cool. It sounds bananas. Yeah, bananas. it's cool. Maybe we'll do a field trip. Oh yeah, no, I need to get out there and check that out. You, fun. I think it would be fun to do a field trip together. Oh, for sure. We'll go out and, and uh, flip some aerials or whatever. Yeah. We'll yeah, about it on critical thinking for everyone. Yeah. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Seattle Times. You know what the headline says? What does okay. it say? After Capitol riots, desperate families turn to groups that deprogram extremists. Yeah. Now, where are, what groups, I mean, like, I guess I can think about, I know there are groups out there that have been set up to, um, I guess, de-radicalize people who've been involved in like terrorists. Yeah, it's called, there's an organization that's been around a long time called Life After Hate. Life after hate. Are we advertising for them? No, I'm just stating that that's they are mentioned here in this article. Oh, they're in the as news. One of the Can't groups. Get Can't get us. FCC, come get us. They're in the news. No. Okay, they're in the news. So, all right. So let me ask you this. I'm gonna before I read you about this article, I'm gonna put you on the critical thinking hot seat. I mean, I'm glad that you asked first because nobody needs to get burned. Well, I can't wait to hear the sound effects you're going to use for that. I don't know what that sounds like, but anyway, we'll see. Okay, so let's say I come to you and I say, Brian, my uncle Bob is now a QAnon supporter and he's going to go to their conference and he's going to become like, you know, and he's visiting and, and he's he's like he's looking at it seriously he's not like totally there yet but he's really thinking this is the way he's going to go and it's really hurting my heart because as a critical thinker i know oh, it's based on a lot of conspiracy theories and hate and things like that so brian i need you to come over to this afternoon and we're going to sit down with him oh, man. what are some what's a critical thinking move you could make Okay, now I'm asking you this because this article talks about a central technique of these deprogrammers. And it's kind of a critical thinking move. It is, so I wanna ask you, what would you, what would you, and I bring you into the room. Here's my uncle Bob, Brian. What what would be your go-to critical thinking move? One of them. I mean, for me, it's always the chokehold. I have to say, it's always, <laughs> that's where I opened, really. Everybody just be warned. It's an odd opening, but that, that, that's where people don't expect it. It turns out effective. Oh, hmm. yeah. So, anyway, I guess yeah. Well, what You're would you what would you say to him? Are we like, here? Are we here for an intervention? Like, does Bob know we're here for an intervention? Uh, kind of. Oh yeah. Well, tell me about your feelings about Q, Bob. Okay, so he tells you. I mean, because I, I want to listen because I want to respond to what he says instead of having a bunch of assumptions okay. going. So he, he spins out all of his assumptions. Okay. Okay. Um, and then maybe I start questioning those, like why ah. do you think this and that. 
Okay, so the move, according to this article, is you, instead of you questioning, you're getting them to ask themselves questioning about their own thinking. But, they, but you do that by asking them the questions because in order for them to come up with the answers, they have to take the questions seriously. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because okay. I don't really care. You're there. So I mean, asking, I, I care. About, I care about Bob, but I don't care about the. Like, like I wish Bob didn't believe this. Like, I don't want to plumb this deeply. Yeah. Right. But we're going to do it out of love and out of care for this person who might be uh, very salvageable from the point of view of uh, rational engagement. Right. So I want you to hold that thought because I want to tell you about this new organization that's that's that sprung up. Is it another cult? No, this is a new organization. It's a nonprofit called Parents for Peace. And it's and it what it's just, it's almost all volunteers like Forward Radio, all volunteers okay. committed to helping pull people back from extremists, extremism. Oh, yeah, okay. That's what they're trying to do. So right now, get this, it's a 10-person organization, and they've got a, a national helpline. Okay. And get this. Calls have tripled since the beginning of the coronavirus. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I believe that. So the number of younger people being groomed in white supremacist ideology, right, who are online and yep. they're being yep. right in yep. Donald yep. Trump and et cetera, et cetera, yep. right? So the last year, the number of extremist ideas have really mushroomed. And there's all this talk, as you know, about domestic extremism, domestic terrorism, right? There's all this new focus on it. So it's really interesting what this group does, this de-radicalization group, they, they really try to help people with guidance and reform, right? So they're really working at the, at the sort of national level, but what they're really doing is, is this is what they said, so interesting. The people who become extremists, they've cho chosen hate and ideology as a drug of choice to numb the pain of underlying issues and grievances. So it's like an addiction. They're saying it has a similar, like they're nursing well, hate and these ideas as a way to sort of um, medicate themselves. The, well, hold on. I mean, are we saying that's, I mean, that's everybody? That's what they're saying? That's what people who hate? No, they're not saying everybody. They're saying for some people, this is, people who have embraced radical, these radical extremist ideas, for some of them, yes, but not everybody. But for some people, there would be other motives for embracing these radical. I'm sure, I'm sure there are. Okay, okay, just checking, just checking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they say that, first of all, de, what they call de-radicalization, it's a long and winding process. Sure. Okay, and uh, the formal programs is just sort of one way to do this. And they break down, there's three stages. Okay. okay. There's three stages. Okay. So if you're thinking about Bob, if you're thinking about somebody you know, you want to try to figure out the stage. Okay. So the first stage, it's called circling the drain. They're like, yeah, just- That's really flattering. That's not <laughs> yeah. They're just considering extremist ideas. Like they're circling around it. They're pondering, they're considering it. That's called circling the drain. Does it matter if we are, um, I mean, are we trying to be disrespectful of those radicals? No, I don't know why they use that term. Okay, just curious, because I think that that just really is so dismissive as a- It's, it's a little negative, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. that's what they use. And then the second phase is called hardcore, 
those are like the people who stormed the Capitol, right? Okay. Those are, that's like your hardcore. And then the third, not the, the third, I should, I'm saying stage, but it's actually like a typology of person. So it's like considering it to hardcore storming the Capitol. And then the other category is people who are somewhere in between people who are like, they've adopted it. Maybe they've embraced it, but they're not going to go to DC. Maybe they're not ready to go that far. Okay. So they say the hardcore is a rule of thumb, the hardcore people, they don't leave the movements until they're ready. So if you're going to really deprogram people, it's, it's a pretty individualized approach. It's the sooner you can get there, the better. And um, they said, um, they gave an example of this, this, you know, this person who turned to Parents for Peace about her brother. So the example, the person that they talk about in this article, she was trying to reach her brother who was becoming, you know, joining an extremist group. And so they said, the first thing you want to do is look at where, is the, where do the origins come from? What's driving them to do this? And she said, she, did, she thought about it. She realized he's a veteran who learned to see violence as a solution. Okay. Right. So she began to understand that he grew up feeling like an outsider. Violence has been sort of a go-to in a certain context in his life. And so once she began to understand that, she began to try to become more compassionate and she to pro approach her brother from a place of love and concern and a desire to connect. That's very different from a desire to shut them down. Yeah, but if we're talking about um, conspiracy theory stuff, I mean, at what point are we enabling the continuation of the thinking or of the bad affiliations if we don't try to shut it down? Well, no, it's not that you don't try to shut it down, but you start from a place of a desire to connect and understand. It's like critical thinking, right? Let me understand your point of view. Let me understand where you're coming from. Yep. Let's start there. Okay. So once, so then your, then your approach is not driven by your motive initially, right? It's driven by what's going on with them. Let me try to get it. Because if you understand where they're coming from, then you can better meet them where they are to help quote unquote deprogram them. Sure. So they have a 12 step program that's particularly tailored to former military and law enforcement personnel who make up a sizable group of extremist actors. They do, yeah. Yep. And so uh, they even get this, they call the name of the program is Traumanon. Traumanon. Right, Traumanon. So, um, so anyway, these, these groups actually help you create an intervention. They actually help you um, reach out to those other people. And um, there's that group Life After Hate that's been around a long time. They are really, um, they have a lot of experience in this. So um, uh, one of the things that they say, here, here's, here, let me give you a little insight into their critical thinking move. Okay. okay. Yeah, that'd be great to hear about. Yeah. So this is what this is what one of the life after hate guys says. Um, so um, the uh, the way that he let's say he's been hired because he has been hired or enlisted by parents who have a son who's become involved with an extremist group. So 
what they do is they start out these weekly meetings where they become a coach, right? This person becomes a coach. Sometimes they're talking to the parents. Sometimes they're talking to the individual, right? Depending on the situation. And they dig into the family's history and they start to analyze the ideology. Remember, they start to get into their point of view, what's going on with them. And the goal is not to challenge their thought process or ideology, but get to a point where he could do it on his own. Okay, so the idea is that you're having these conversations to get him to begin to question. And it's built on trust and compassion. And it took six months of weekly meetings. But this guy with this, this one guy that he's talking about was a young man, was a, a teenager when he first got into it. And then by the time he was 17, it was like six years into this online hate groups and engaging with them. And eventually the teenager came to recognize the irrationality of his beliefs and the psychological toll that they took on him. It was very exhausting and draining on him. So, so it's like very intensive. It, this sounds, this does not sound like something you can phone in or do on a weekend. This is pretty intense. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. It sounds like, um, it sounds like it's implicit. It sounds like you're not, you're, you're making efforts to not point, not ask them to confront the things you're waiting around six years for them to eventually confront the things on their own. No, no, it was six years of him before they, six years of him being involved with the extremism. It's six months of intensive counseling. And they said it's, it's highly individualized. Yeah. It might, you know, so no, it's not six years. It took them six months of these weekly sessions. Six months of the weekly sessions, but why wouldn't you, I don't know, I guess you just have to know more about it. It seems like, well, of course, we want them to question on their own. We also, I mean, you could provide examples of questions and stuff. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Well, you could. I, I'm just saying this is the information in the article. It could right. be. I'm, yeah, sure, I'm sure people could go to Parents for Peace Um and and get more if they wanted to get more information oh, yeah. to learn about it but that but from a critical thinking view that's that's the point here is that having people we i can't change somebody's mind they have to i have to be able to engage with them in a way where they begin to look at their own thing they have to be willing to do the work to look at their yeah. own thing. yeah definitely. It's, it's hard stuff oh sure it is definitely yeah well i mean good luck to these programs it's certainly hard to deprogram people who've gone so far into such lunacy as the QAnon theory. I mean, it is just absolutely absurd. Um, the sorts of leaps of logic and uh, reasoning processes that you've had, you have to have been willing to engage in in order to stick it out with this one. Um, so I hope that people can, can find a way to put it down because it is just... Um, you know, you you've only keep track of the hits and you avoid all the misses. I mean, it's classic bad investigative approach. You know, you only you, you don't even pay attention to the times when Q blundered it, you know, as much as you could blunder it. Um, that's not that's not reliability at all. So. Well, critical thinking would need to be an essential part of helping somebody rethink their belief in conspiracy theories and extremism. It's, ooh, it's a tough one. 
you critical thinking has got to be part of it. Yeah, I think that that's right. But but this making the first step of trying to understand where they're coming from is a really important move. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, you know, we have to we have to have this intellectual empathy. We have to be able to maybe figure out, or I don't know if we have to or not, but it seems like it would be really useful to try to figure out what the thinking was that someone was doing, right? To be able to recreate their thinking. Right, intellectual empathy, absolutely. Um, that's part of meeting them where, I don't have to agree with them, but I gotta meet, in order to meet them where they are, I gotta know where they are. Well, and also fair-mindedness. I mean, you don't wanna, um, even if you don't like what they're saying, you don't wanna change what they're saying or whatever their intellectual position is. You wanna work with, with that thing the way you find it. Yeah. That is, that's our news item for this week. News item for the week. Now that you mention it, seems like a great time for the critical thinking dance party. Yes, sir. Did you get out of your chair? You needed to. Don't forget to move around. It's good for your thinking. Here's some more show for you. Enjoy. You know I have more joke books. I'm glad you bring them on. Yeah, maybe we could not. use we could use some variety. <laughs> yeah, you mean what are you saying? I'm saying we could use some variety. That's what I'm saying. What, what to say if you get caught sleeping in your work cubicle? Uh, I was looking at the inside of my eyelids. <laughs> sure. Um, but these are things that, I mean, you may, you may come across that. Has it ever happened in your space that someone Never. is sleeping on the job? No one's ever, no one's ever caught me. 
Oh, oh yeah, of course not. Not you. You're the boss. <laughs> you say it's okay. I'm still billing the client. Oh. Or do you say fraud? I'm still committing fraud. <laughs> do you discriminate against people who practice yoga? How old is this book? I wasn't sleeping. I was trying to pick a contact lens, pick up a contact lens without using my hands. Wow. Garrison Keeler. Garrison. I got an A in philosophy last semester by proving that my professor didn't exist. <laughs> now I like that one. Well, this one actually, this next one is is I think professionally demonstrable. For every philosopher, there exists an equal and opposite philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> is that you and i <laughs> oh i don't know i was thinking about the can wow i'm still back on the one where the student can prove that you don't exist yeah so i'm trying to think that's that's a, a student ever tried that one i'm sure many of them have <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um i think you know if you're trying to explore some kind of a philosophy where reality is subverted um if you're giving people credit for that then that might be worthwhile <sighs> oh that's a good one all right um let's see the philosopher went out on his first date and took his date to a restaurant they sat for there for quietly for a while and he finally said do you like philosophy date said no said um do you have a sibling they said no. Said, uh, if you had a brother or sister, do you think that they like philosophy? <laughs> I don't get it. It's just ineptitude at its finest, um, you know, hypotheticals. Is this, are you reading from your diary? <laughs> this is from class. This is actually a little bit earlier we did this in class. <laughs> Uh, don't make me go back to the viola jokes. Let's see here. Um, I did not get that one. Oh, uh, why? Well, this one might help. The past, the present, and the future walk into a bar. Did you already know this one? No. It was tense. Ah, good one. Why is that one funny? Past, the present, and future, because those are all different tense tenses. Tenses. Wordplay jokes are definitely high comedy here at Critical Thinking for Everyone. Yes. Yes. What do Alexander the Great and Winnie the Pooh have in common? The middle names are the. Very good. Hey! I got that one. Yay! Are, we've come into a different category. Do you know? Do you know how to make your your own antifreeze? No. Oh. Hide her sweater. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Take your coat away. <laughs> okay. okay. You See, know I what? got some of them. No, it's very good. It's very good. How do you fix a broken tuba? Don't know. Tuba glue. Okay. All right. Well, interesting. I think they're for everyone. I think these are for everyone. Okay. You got a thing where you get a knock knock joke, right? I mean, these are all kind of little plain yeah. words, but. Yeah. 
um, they do take us into a slightly different headspace, which, you know, in, encourages us to think about non-standard meanings. It's intellectual flexibility. Yeah. And, you know, I got some of them. I got into the mode and I got some of them. Yeah, there you go. Some of them are absolutely ridiculous. Though, yeah. Well. Dun, dun, dun. And then Patty said. This is like the worst joke segment ever. Really? Womp, womp, womp. Well, we've got something else to talk about. We do. What? I thought the joke was the joke's it. No, no. Um, there's an article from the BBC on why it pays to be grumpy and bad-tempered. Okay. Well, I mean, we do want to hear that. Um, can I, I mean, I do, I guess I do have one more joke just to go out with. Yeah. Do you know why it's not okay to tell dad jokes if you're not a dad? Why? Because that's a faux pas. Oh, that's a good one. That's right. a good one. And you are a dad. So you're allowed. You're you tell a lot of dad jokes and you're a dad. A real pa. Yeah, look at you. Mm. Oh my god. <laughs> this is like the worst joke segment ever. Really? Boing. Well, the BBC had an article about why it pays to be bad-tempered and grumpy. More news. Uh, do you remember we had a show a couple weeks ago where we talked about the value of respecting negative emotions? Remember that? Yeah, yeah. That what was, was the value? What was the value? The value is that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure there is one. I'm not sure I agreed with that evidence. You'll have to give that. There may not be. There is a value. No, it's what just, happens just promoting when, grumpiness. You're just promoting what happens when you stifle it? What happens? Oh, well, when you stifle, um, when you stifle those things, then all kinds of critical thinking errors are made. Right. Yeah. Well, that's part of it. And then um, physiologically, right? If you sure. store the stuff in your body. Yeah. And we learned from that, that show a couple of weeks ago, identifying negative emotions helps you kind of coast through, through them. Right, identifying them, accepting them, processing them. That's part of, that's the full range of the human experience, not just focusing on the positive and- let's hear for, Yeah, let's hear it for therapy then. So, yeah. So, but one of the things they said is what's happening in our culture right now is there's an overemphasis on positive psychology and oh, yeah. happiness and like, let's all focus on, you know, boosting your joy when there's actually evidence that shows can, grappling with negative feelings is a positive it's a positive move it can be a positive because it's part of your human experience okay so one of the things that they they did these really interesting studies fascinating one of them is they actually found anger and like letting yourself like feel anger and experiencing it yeah actually made you better at innovation whoa or what they call unstructured thinking. Because you're in a rage and you're just swinging your thinking around like yeah, kind of, yeah. They, like, yes. They it's talked the about, they said, said create creativity um, is down to how easily your mind is diverted from one thought path to another. <clears throat> in a situation requiring fight or flight, <clears throat> it's easy to see how turning into a lateral mad genius 
could actually be life-saving. Does that so like, minute, does this count when I'm in a rage and I can't, I mean, that doesn't seem like that's life-saving if I'm- No, no, you were in a rage berserker. and you were in a rage and you said to yourself, this situation enrages me. How am I gonna work myself out of it? Like, what are some solutions? If you're in a rage, can you say, this situation is enraging me? You can, but what the whole point is, if you channel that, if you just, like spew it out versus going like okay oh yeah well here's what i'm gonna do and do you, you hold up a really different finger than the one you're holding up right really now. creative so um they said uh so here to understand how this works you need to understand what's going on in the brain like most emotions anger begins in the amygdala remember the lizard brain an almond shaped structure responsible for detecting threats to our well-being so it's extremely efficient. It raises the alarm long before the, the threat enters your conscious awareness, right? So it, you're in a very heightened state. Thank you, lizard. Yeah, so it's up to the chemical signals in the brain to get you riled up. As the brain is flooded with adrenaline, it initiates a burst of impassioned energetic fury, which lasts for a few minutes right? Breathing and heart rate accelerate, right? Everybody knows that blood rushes to your extremities, right? You're, you can feel it. Though it's, it's thought to have evolved primarily to prepare your body for physical aggression, right? The, the fighting back, the physiological response is known to have other benefits, boosting motivation and giving people the space to take mental risks. I bet you never thought about that. I was just talking about that the other day. No. So all these physiological changes are extremely helpful. As long as you get a chance to vent your anger by wrestling a lion or screaming at coworkers, that's not what you want to do. It might, it might be what you want to do. Yeah. So the notion that repressed feelings can be bad for your health goes back quite a ways. You know, Aristotle, you know, your friend Aristotle? I've heard of him. He was a firm believer in catharsis right? Yeah. This modern meaning of the word, like viewing tragic plays, like it allows you to experience the anger, the sadness, the guilt, whatever in a controlled environment. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, um, you know, a, an old strategy and it's supposed to be very effective. I think people should give it a shot. Think about it and see if it'll work for you. Yeah. So, um, don't there, keep it in, let your, let it, let the catharsis happen. Yeah, so in 2010, a team of scientists decided to take a, a closer look at this. And they actually took 644 people with a coronary artery, you know, disease or pathology, and they wanted to determine their levels of anger, suppressed anger and tendency to experience distress. And they followed them for several years. All right. Well, yeah, that would make me angry and yeah. suppressed. Why is that guy still outside my window? 20% experienced a major cardiac event. Yeah. 9% 9, 9 died. Well, they shouldn't be stalking them. <laughs> and anger, it looked like at first that anger and suppressed anger increased the likelihood of having a heart attack. But after they started to really look at the data, they realized anger had no impact while suppressing it increased the chances of having a heart attack by three by threefold um so the whole thing about 
not suppressing your feelings. So being angry is going to happen, but suppressing it is where the problem is. So how does critical thinking help us with this? Just to know that we should let the you know pressure off or is there more? Well, I think it's the, the way to think about it I, from a critical thinking point of view, I think is to realize that heightened states actually can put you in a different, to kind of jolt you out of your everyday thinking and actually put you in prime to think outside the box. Are you talking if about you, like magic mushrooms, like heightened states? No, like oh. when you're angry. Oh, okay. You get angry because you want some mushrooms and can't find them? <laughs> so, so they're saying that actually sometimes focusing on the positive or getting too much into a complacent state of mind does not prime you for thinking outside the box. I'm not saying you should provoke people to, you know, intentionally to get them to think outside the box, but um, it's really interesting. They actually found that people were more gullible if they were in a more of a passive emotional state huh. and they were more actually critical and their, their critical thinking powers were actually heightened when they were more in a anger or agitated state. Isn't that interesting? That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever that my critical thinking powers would be heightened when I am in an agitated state. Yeah. Well, it opens the door to it. It seems like it would subvert your amygdala would subvert your rational self. It makes, a, I mean, I wonder, do we know in this, in this point of view, do they define what critical thinking is in some way that we could examine that and see, you know, maybe they have a different understanding of it than we do. Um, well, let me, um, I don't, they don't really talk about critical thinking. They talk more about thinking behaviors when people are in an agitated state and they compare those to them when they're not. They did a bunch of studies about problem solving. Okay. They gave the example. Let me give you another example. They gave, uh, they <laughs> induced in study and study participants kind of a anxious, angry state and people more in a passive, happy state. And they asked them to brainstorm uses for like a brick. And people who were in the sort of more agitated state came up with way more solutions for the brick and ideas for that than the people who weren't. So they, 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 use, they use all these studies for showing that people are more agile in their thinking. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I'm a little skeptical, um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm just, I would love to see more. I, I think I'm going to send you the studies. Well, sure. I mean, because I'm, what I'm wondering is, you know, they say that there are more uses, but are those uses directly related in some way to aggression or anger or something like that? Um, which would be, which would make sense. You know, I mean, how many happy uses are there for? Well, and also it doesn't have to be anger. It could even just be pessimism. They said um, that a lot of the studies found that when you're in good mood, you're less able to think skeptically and you're more gullible. Isn't that interesting? Boy, am I more gullible when I'm in a good mood? Yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm more likely to believe that this difficult situation is going to turn out okay. Maybe and, I'm and and, you know, it's funny you should say that because they also found that the optimism bias, like if you're like 
hey, I'm going to go on a trip. I'm sure everything is going to be great. I'm not going to worry about everything. I'm just going to, everything's going to fall into place. And when you don't have like a plan A, B, and C, they actually find that um, you are less able to address unexpected challenges when you are too optimistic and you're like, yeah, it's going to be fine. I don't need to worry about it. Wow. Well, yeah. sometimes it is fine. Sometimes it is. I just want to sometimes say that on behalf of people who don't always. <laughs> sometimes it is fine. Yeah. Often. Yeah. I know. I know the kind of person you are and I know the kind of person I am. <laughs> sometimes it's fine and sometimes it's not. Hey, friends, let me bend your ear for a few minutes about Forward Radio. You know about Forward Radio. That's forwardradio.org. It's 106.5 FM on your radio dial if you're still using such a thing. Louisville, Kentucky. We broadcast out of the Hayburn Building in downtown Louisville, a beautiful historic building, and uh, we need your money. We need your 20 bucks a day in order to run this station like a champ. Uh, We have to pay for electricity and all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, you know how it goes, right? So there are expenses. We do have uh, a volunteer staff, though. I mean, your money isn't really going to the people running the stuff. We just want to keep it up and running so we can do our creative things so we can be informative. I mean, we have a lot of great news on the channel. We have a lot of uh, terrific conversations that are both local and international. And uh, we just need a platform. So if you can roll over to forwardradio.org and donate um, 20 bucks, 40 bucks, um, 20 bucks times 365 would be nice. Uh, We could really use that. Uh, You can do it all there. With your credit card, and I mean, if you want to send in a check, or if you want to, you know, maybe leave leave a bag of money for one of us, um, you know, for the station, obviously, somewhere we can pick it up and we can we can make sure that gets translated into uh, airtime and uh, broadcast ability and uh, computer repair and all the good stuff we need, rent, um, you know, all that kind of thing. So forwardradio.org, you can check that out. Also, we have back episodes on SoundCloud. Um, We probably already mentioned that, but just in case you're looking for them, uh, they're out there. Uh, You can also find them on iTunes. In both cases, you'd want to go to Forward Radio's link uh, in iTunes and in SoundCloud, and then you'll be able to find Critical Thinking for Everyone under that banner. Um, Also in SoundCloud, of course, you can search directly for Critical Thinking for Everyone. And I think we got 140-something episodes out there for you. But there are a lot of other really great shows as well, as I mentioned, uh, sustainability shows and social justice shows and science shows and shows about, um, you know, the things that you need for living a good life uh, from all kinds of different angles. And we also need programmers. You know, we need folks who are willing to step up uh, to make these shows uh, and also to donate their time to help us do governance stuff for the station and liaison work with... um, all kinds of important institutions that help us run this station. Uh, maybe you're looking for some kind of a, an unpaid internship somewhere to learn the business. <laughs> we got it for you. Again, shoot us an email, forwardradio.org, to get involved anytime.
Hey, if you can believe this, um, Patty and I thought it might be useful to do a little critical thinking reading on the show today. Maybe we could like um, lay some critical thinking theory on you. So I grabbed Critical Thinking 2nd Edition by Paul and Elder. Um, this thing, this is a new book, um, this 2nd Edition. Uh, you can hear those pages turning, old dead trees. Mm. Um, a new book, which is to say 2014. So just published in this new edition, but the material a little over five years old. Dig this. Many people talk about their lives as if the events in them were predetermined as if some force in the universe had issued a timeless decree by which the order of all things, including their lives, was prescribed and all events were controlled by inevitable necessity. If you think about your life as a predetermined product of forces over which you have no control, you lose the chance of controlling your life. The idea of designing one's life comes from two primary insights. One, there is a significant difference between life as it is typically lived and life as it might be lived. And two, by deliberately changing your thinking, you can live in a manner closer to your ideal than if you uncritically allow your thinking to be shaped by the forces acting on you. Lifelong learners are skilled thinkers who recognize the different roles that learning can play in life. There is a significant difference between being passive and being active as a learner. For the passive learner, the primary end is that of establishing habits that work, that enable the individual to get by. Passive learners tend to be stagnant as thinkers because once they find something that enables them to get by, then they lack the motivation to change. What they seek in their learning is confirmation of their present beliefs, their present judgments, their present behavior patterns. They defend their status quo. For critical thinkers, active learning is a tool for continually bridging the gap between what is and what could be. Critical thinkers recognize the role learning can and should play in their lives. They establish for themselves habits of continual improvement, of always reaching for the next level of skill, ability, and insight. Critical thinkers are lifelong learners and take charge of their experiences, their learning, and the patterned behaviors that define their lives. They, in essence, design how they think and feel, and therefore lay the foundation for how they live. They recognize that their thinking will shape their emotions, and that their emotions impact their thinking. They use this recognition as a tool in self-deliberation. Lifelong learners design their lives by becoming clear regarding their goals the problems, and various options. They carefully think through decisions. They give thoughtful consideration to options. They give explicit priorities to goals. 
They do not simply react to immediate imperatives, the predictable and unpredictable distractions that occur in all of our lives. Instead, they create their own imperatives by bringing their foremost goals into the center of their thoughts and actions, and they create their own calendar of actions. Though our choices are always limited, we usually have a much larger range of choices than we generally recognize to be so. For most people, experience is understood as something that happens to them, not something they create for themselves. But experience is something over which we can all, in principle, exercise significant control. Consider the nature of experience. Experience is a reciprocal relationship between two factors, an objective factor and a subjective one. The objective dimension of experience is that part of it we did not generate. It consists in what happens outside our skin, so to speak, in the world around us. Many things happen in the physical and social world over which we have no control. Some we experience, some we experience differently from others. We have no control over what others think, feel, and do. We cannot enter into the minds of people and change them directly. We cannot directly modify the physical or social environment in which we live and act. There are many factors which limit our choices. Yet, we must give all the objective factors in our experience a meaning, an interpretation. These meanings become part of our inner life. It is only through this act on our part that a happening or an event becomes an experience. For example, much that happens around us, we fail to notice. Therefore, these realities never become part of our experience. Our mind acts as a screen that records and gives us a meaning to only a part of what happens around us. The mind ignores the rest. Furthermore, part of the meaning we give an experience is determined by what we decide is important and what is not important. These are crucial de decisions of the mind they exercise immense influence on our well-being. For example, it is our minds that decide what is in our interest or against it, what we should rejoice in and what we should fear, what will help and what will hurt us. Unfortunately, our minds, frequently distorting reality, often fail us in these matters. Hey, can you stand a little more? Check this out. The human mind, whatever its conscious goodwill, is subject to powerful, self-deceptive, unconscious egocentricity of mind. A major obstacle to developing intellectual virtues is the presence of the human egocentric mind of what some thinkers have called defense mechanisms. We all have defense mechanisms in our minds. Each defense mechanism represents a way to falsify, distort, misconceive, twist, or deny reality. In the distinction between a critically analyzed experience and an unanalyzed one, 
we can see the opposition between insight and self-deception. As suggested, we rarely subject our experience to critical analysis. We seldom take our experiences apart to judge their truth value. We rarely sort the lived, integrated experience into its component parts, raw data versus our inner processing of the data. We rarely ask ourselves how the interests, goals, and desires we bring to the data shapes our interpretations of it. Similarly, we rarely consider the possibility that our interpretations might be selective, biased, or misleading since they're based on this intellectual mechanism. That is not to say that our unanalyzed experiences lack meaning or significance. Quite the contrary. In some sense, we assess all that we experience. We routinely catalog experiences in accord with our egocentric fears, desires, prejudices, stereotypes, caricatures, hopes, dreams, and assorted irrational drives. We shouldn't assume a priori, check out another show for that stuff, we should not assume a priori that our rational side controls the shaping of our experience. Our unanalyzed experiences are some combination of rational and irrational thoughts and actions. Only through critical analysis can we hope to isolate and reduce the irrational dimensions of our experience. The ability to do so grows as we critically analyze over time more and more of our experiences. And we are so glad that you join us every week, religiously, don't you? To do just that. See you again soon. All right, all right, I'm moving on. But this one, the barman says, we don't serve time travelers in here. A time traveler walks into the bar. Huh? And? It's... One of those meta, it's one of those meta shows. As time travel jokes will be. Well, we talked about time travel last time, last week. We don't want to do do it too much. Our church is so liberal, they're only open on Tuesdays. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Enough with the jokes. All right. All right, well, it's been live. These jokes and the rest of the thinking, my friends, as you know, if you have ever been here before, they're for everyone. Even you.